electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Let's not talk about sleep. Fast Money starts right now with a true tech wreck. Fang stocks, investors punched again in the gut once again today. Facebook and Netflix both entering a bear market. It means they're down more than 20% from their highs. Amazon and Google also falling today, inching toward correction territory. Those four Fang stocks biting the entire NASDAQ. That index dropping more than a percent today for the third session in a row. Unlike Friday, the Dow also got hit today. It finished down 144 points. Welcome, everybody. Great to see Welcome you. Thanks for having stock. me. Guy Adami, well, will these four stocks take down overall the entire market going forward? Take down the entire market going forward. So the, one of the points I made last week, by the way, I thought the S&P would challenge, make a new all-time high. It got close, didn't happen, so I was wrong on that front. But to answer your question, if Facebook is stock that across the board, I think we all thought was fairly valued, wasn't an unreasonable valuation, uh, strong quarters up until last one. If that stock can go down 20% in a 15 minutes time, again, this is a point I made last week and we said some pushback. Who's to say the broader market couldn't do something along those lines? I'm not saying 20%, but a 5 to 8% move. My point is, markets take the stairs up, elevator down, and we've looked past all the bad news that's Looks more like there. a fire pole right now, honestly, for some of these FANG now stocks. Now the market is warming up to some of the concerns. Forget about the FANG, some of the uh, the... the external concerns that they should have been for focused on all along. Well, I mean, in Facebook's case, I think we have company-specific factors. I think we have a company that has governance issues. I think we have a company who, who now people understand that their core product is your data, and they're buying and selling it whimsically, and they don't know how to control it. Um, but when I look at Netflix and when I look at some of the other high multiple stocks, it's very clear to me that the market is concerned about multiples in the tech sector. Some of this is also just existential around the whole sector. I think people are starting to wonder how much have we really priced into some of these companies who have major leadership positions, but at some point, valuation does matter in this environment, certainly does. Well, I, I always agree valuation matters. And to me, the valuation of Facebook now is attractive. I think it's well overdone. This is the company that is growing still tremendously, trading at a, if you back out the cash, trading at probably 20-ish multiple, right? It's a market multiple for a stock that is doing well better than the but average the market. market, Karen, stock. obviously disagreed today. That's okay. I thought today was an opportunity. The market is not getting everything right efficiently every single day. We all know that. I can guarantee you I cannot pick a bottom. But to me, this valuation seemed overdone. I think Google, too, that valuation is still not like a Netflix or an Amazon. So I'm generally predisposed to be a bit more bearish than the average, uh, well, than the average bear. bear. But, you know, the, the point is you look at the other, you look at what else is going on there. High yield credit spreads, not really that high. In fact, they're actually closing, which is generally a good sign. You're not seeing those macroeconomic risk factors out there that are flashing red signals that say, hey, you know, we've got a, an economy that's weakening. We've got some real problems. So what happened with the FANG stocks, everybody was in them. They were looking for this idiosyncratic growth and a relatively slower growth global macro environment. And all of a sudden, you got Wait a minute. Wait, we have been told by, for years by many different people that Facebook and maybe Netflix are not immune to the economy. 
are not. I'm not sure that's what people. I don't think people bought them. I think people bought them because Facebook an economic story. No, no, exactly. So that you were talking about the economy slowing down and people's concerns. That's my point. This is people. People are in this because it's not an economic story, and therefore the economy is slowing down. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. I misheard you. So has it become has it become an economic story? No, not at all. That's that's my point. I think there's opportunities in the market if you get away from the Fang and say, you know what, this is this is the Fang stocks. Maybe it's one or two stock type of story. It's not the entire marketplace. That's what I'm trying to say. I tell you, I, I hope I think we're all saying this. I don't think this is unhealthy at all. By the way, I think in the, in the I don't want to make this about, about Facebook, and I don't want to make this about Netflix. But I think in both those stocks' case, and it's very clear to our audience because I've been I, I've been out for Facebook since Cambridge Analytica, not just because of the event, because I don't like how management can't tell us what it costs to secure your data. They still haven't told us, and they told us the other day that they really don't know this product comes off the assembly line how to do it. Netflix. Everyone tells me it's this great content play as we go through this whole content dynamic in the media world. They're creating. Basically, they're taking our data, by the way. Same story, really, on some level. And they're making these cyborg co- content pieces, which to me, outside of a couple, don't make this a, a content company. Not like Disney. And, and I, believe, like I believe if I read your tweet correctly today, Tim, you said, I'll see you at 3.30. I assume you mean $330 a share. So you remain concerned and negative on, face, on Netflix stock. I, I, I think Netflix, especially at a time when we're grappling with just how the, the media sector is going to go do it. And by the way, Everybody's going after them for their success. Yes, you're right. I think that, Brian. See, my point about Facebook wasn't about Facebook. I think all the points the guys and gals made, they're accurate. My point about Facebook is what does it say about the structure of the broader market, if anything? I would submit it's trying to tell you something. If Facebook, again, can go down 20% in the course of about 10 minutes, we were on the desk when it happened. Who's to say a similar move couldn't happen in the broader so, market in, in the context of a news story coming I out? I would agree with you, and that's why I prefer to say I'm, I'm generally more bearish, but we're not seeing it yet. We right? have not. There's a lot of things out there that I could say are warning signs. A higher dollar, higher rates, all these things that we talked about, but the market hasn't responded to, to it yet. The only thing the market really responded to was this very, very crowded trade, yes. growth stopping, and all of a sudden everybody just dumped Do out. Do you realize where we're sitting? The NASDAQ market side, okay? A lot of, a lot of us. A lot of us were here back in 1999 when you had a lot of people crowding into the same stocks. I'm not comparing the two necessarily, only to say that everywhere Actually, you no, went. None of those stocks were around. What? Facebook was not around. Well, no, they're all Amazon. No, but they, they crowded in the same stocks the general, at that, whatever at that, that time. Was at the time. And every okay. cab driver out there would talk to you about them. I felt like it was, it was fangy, kind of the same way. And I do wonder, because they're so heavily weighted in so many ETFs, if that momentum is okay, gone, so guy. let's back away from Fang for a second. Intel is not one of the Fang, unless I can't right. spell correctly, Semiconductors which, is, have been which has happened. Beat. Intel went down 10% in, in one session. That's a significant move for, as Tim would say. You know what? Let's coin a new acronym. Faint. Facebook, Faint. Amazon, Intel, Netflix, Twitter. Nice. There you go. With that said, though, Tim has said this is one of the 10 or 15 most important companies on the planet. He's probably correct. Again, Intel shouldn't move 10% up or down, let alone in one session. My point again is not so much about the individual companies. What do those downdrafts say about a potential for the broader market? Well, and can I just say, I mean, while all this is going on, I, I love how industrials are trading. I love how transports are trading. I love how banks are trading. So uh, I don't think any of this is terrible. I don't think this is an indictment on the economy. I think we're talking about a sector that's gotten over its skis, and it's not just Fang. We're going to talk about, you know, 
even higher multiple stuff on the tech side later in the show. But I could go around the entire NASDAQ or the tech sphere today and find a bunch of stories that would come. How yeah. about Tesla? How about a bunch of these other stories? I love your, I love your point because, listen, I'm a, I'm a longtime listener, first-time caller nice. to the program. <laughs> Karen, well done. And when I listen to you, I hear you talk about all these great companies that get ignored. And to Tim's point, do you think maybe this is the opportunity where investors do a little more work, the easy money's been made, and you say, you know what, I might actually have to put some time in and some work in to find these great American companies that nobody else is talking about. That would be great. I think a broader rally would be great. I also, though, it wouldn't shock me if this FANG thing, as quickly as it happened, that it starts to turn around. We've seen them out of favor a couple of different times, particularly in this administration, who seem to be somewhat anti-tech, and we saw them turn around. This, to me, this FANG sell-off right here, comparing it to 1999, I don't quite get it. They traded, Microsoft traded at probably a 70 or 80 multiple then. It's nowhere Look remotely Netflix, close. Though, Netflix, I agree. I, I've never owned Netflix, Silly. and I've Look missed five, you know, 300 Look, points. I mean, Amazon, same thing. Listen, I'm buying Spotify, CMGI, ICGE, Ariba, and Commerce One. <laughs> Those are the names for your future portfolio. <laughs> Been doing this way too long. All right, things can, as we know, to Karen's point, turn around very quickly. So, can Apple, which reports tomorrow night, save tech, if you will? Chartmaster Carter Worth of Cornerstone Macro at the Plasma to break it down. Carter. Sure, I've got Apple and I've got NVIDIA, but I think, uh, look, everyone watching and everyone on the desk knows that valuation is a very great thing. Guy's point is the primary point of the market right now. Drawdowns that happen out of nowhere, uh, it's a very fickle thing. Should someone think be eight times free cash flow or 12? Very gray. What we do know is certain stocks are taking big hits and there's risk that others would do it. Apple, no lines, no judgments might be. If we were to move ahead, one thing we can see is that it's been in this well-defined channel. In fact, let's draw some circles just to put this in. We have literally responded over and over and over to the bottom and top. And we're basically near the top. And my hunch is, is that we're going to revisit the bottom as part of this general trajectory. Let's keep going. Um, here is Apple on top, same chart, but relative performance to the tech sector. And the problem here is, is that this is basically been underperforming for quite some time. Let's go forward another way. Here is Apple on its own. No judgments by me. Let's go forward. Is it a double top? It has that element to it. It also has the element of a perspective break in trend. In fact, if we move it forward once again, that's exactly what happened. So if I were to zoom in here, you can see that we've just started to uh, break trend. Uh, it's not the greatest thing. Let's try NVIDIA. This is a big name, obviously, sort of marquee. You're talking about a stock in the past two to three years, 50 to 300. Let's move forward. And guess what's happening? Let's get our zoom. We're just starting to break trend. Now, if I do relative performance and put in the line, watch what happens. Not only, again, are we breaking trend absolute, we're breaking trend relative. We've broken below the relative performance of the S&P. And then finally, let's do the same thing, but relative to the tech sector. Again, we've got the same circumstance. Uptrend is now in question. You can see it there. And what's also in question is the relative uptrend. These are not good circumstances. I would be careful about with both these stocks. Wow. Carter Worth. 
Should we invite we him over to dinner? We've got to have him. Because he had a magnifying glass, and I think we need to dig in a little bit on that. What is going on with the magnifying glass? That is hot, dude. I thought you put that on That's the greatest thing I've ever seen. I love it. The new technology, it's amazing. But here's the thing. Here's why Apple is so important. Obviously, not only is it the biggest company in the world, not only is it a major holding at about 200 ETFs, but it's the only one of the big techs, if you will, that we talk about daily, that is a Dow component. How important from a market weight perspective is an Apple stock? Well, I mean, it's 3.9% of the S&P. We know it's 900. The sixth heaviest weighted stock in the Dow. Right. Um, listen, there's an historical thing where a stock gets 5%, it's got a problem. Exxon did it, uh, Cisco did it, General Motors did it at its high. Um, there's been a handful of others. It never got that big. It's only been where it is now at 3.9. But either way, the issue is sentiment's a fickle thing. If you break Red Hat, as you as as seen Netflix, then all of a sudden it spills over to Facebook, Amazon, Google, all good numbers, and they all fade. It wouldn't take much to upset the great sentiment that is in Apple. Uh, so, oh, good, BK. Well, I, I got a question that's related to Guy here. So I think what Guy was trying to say, and I want to put words in his mouth, but it appears that there's a liquidity vacuum out there. So going to your world in that we have where is demand for these stocks, right? Are we in something like Apple stretched away from the demand where we could get that 10 or 15 percent drop? Is that what you're seeing in the charts? Well, remember, Apple doesn't have that kind of beta. Most of the big drops came from stocks with a beta of two or higher. But what we do know is it's the most popular and sort of the most relied upon, uh, considered safe by some people. It's biggest holdings in not only big mutual funds, but if you look at holdings in Merrill Lynch and retail accounts, it, it's it's the darling. It's the GE of its every hedge fund. Every hedge in fund in this in this city um, and abroad and, has Apple and as a top holder. Of course, it doesn't have the valuation issues that Karen talked about with some of the others. It's not a Netflix or, or an Amazon, but it is not immune from sentiment, and it doesn't take much to break when other things have broken. Let me ask something. You've come on, not today, but in the past, and talked about the concentration of the FANG stocks being all or much of the gain in the market this year. So as we've seen the FANG trade sort of unravel a little bit in the last few days, the market is not really well, down that much. Yeah. What do you make of that well, remember, lack the market, of concentration? Well, the market, it's a rotation thing. So we've seen financials and industrials come to life, healthcare a little bit. But remember, the market's not really up that much. We know that the market itself is up 48 but the equal weight is up 3.2, and the median performance of the S&P 500 stock is 1.7. 1.7 is not really up. It's, it's unch. Yeah? So this is a leading question. Maybe I mean it to be. S&P 2872 in January. We recently tried to test it again. Number one, we, now we're back at 2800. Caterpillar, great numbers, $10 billion stock buyback. It popped up and faded. Closed faded today. Stocks that shouldn't move 10% are moving 10%. Are all these little things trying to tell us something bigger about the market? I think it, it, it lacks momentum, and momentum is a powerful thing, and some of the great um, idiosyncratic growth names are under pressure. And yes, there's been rotation into financials and industrials, but it would be that group plus healthcare, the core middle, that would have to take the market to a new high. Or it goes back into tech, which makes us that much more fragile. Again, the top five stocks in the S&P are worth more than the bottom 270 stocks in the S&P. We are so dependent, and we're starting to That's lose. That's what we've been talking we're about. we're starting but to lose those one at a time. But are, shouldn't we be um, 
heartened to see what's going on in transports and industrials that are stocks that, you know, frankly, in this economy are doing quite well. Um, well, it's and, case and, by case. And, the transports, you single member, the transports, and even the banks are, are, transport, are, are price weighted index and itself is dominated by UPS and FedEx. But other industrials are not as good, right? Um, Caterpillar is a case of. No, but rails, airlines have been on that's a nice true, little but that's tear. The transport, here. But that's not doing fine. Cummins Engine, it's not Eaton or Emerson. It is an improvement. But remember, this is a space that was down some 13, 14 yep. percent. So it's a, it's a mean reversion trend. Carter Worth, Got thank it. you very much. Great analysis on Great Apple tomorrow night. Those numbers too. come out. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. All right, we are just getting started on a big, fast money on deck. Bitcoin making a sudden drop today before rebounding. The crypto universe waiting for its ETF dreams to come true. The founder of Bitwise is here. One of the companies waiting to launch their own ETF. Can they get it done? He'll tell you why his firm is different as well and why he's so serious that his photo is in black and white. <laughs> Plus, JP Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon just said something on this network. That is all of Wall Street talking. We're going to bring you those comments. And as always, we are live from Times Square, home of superheroes outside waiting to take your photograph. Stick around. You seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. We've had a suppression of rates for you know, the better part of a decade around the world. Those things are reversing, but so far to good effect, which is global growth is going to be as strong as it's been in a long period of time, and America looks like it's accelerating. So as long as they're raising rates in that, that's fine. That was, of course, J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon sitting down for a candid interview with our Wilfred Frost this afternoon in San Diego. Dimon giving a vote of confidence to the American economy, saying that rising rates will be good for global growth. All this happening as the Fed kicks off a two-day meeting tomorrow. Karen, there's a lot talked about here. What was your main one or two takeaways from the Diamond interview? Aside, <laughs> from, <laughs> okay. aside, aside from Jamie's from shirt yes, and, and his the tan. blue eyes and the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> aside from that, I thought, I mean, he's very optimistic on J.P. Morgan. He's optimistic on the U.S. economy. If anything, he had, you know, a message to the Trump administration in terms of trade policy that maybe they're not handling it as well as they possibly could. We're struggling to get through this segment right now, Karen. Are you? I mean, <laughs> as was I, trying to watch the interview. No, I mean, he's, obviously, he's right in the center of business. He probably has more data on the U.S. economy than anybody, and he seems pretty optimistic. I, the stock, I think, has done really well in the last month. It shouldn't have been as low as it got right after the, right after the C car. I still like it here. When Tim talks about value in the market, Bank America, yeah. Citi, J.P. Morgan, those to me are all value stocks here, even with the nice move they've had. I like them all. And, and, and as much as people talk about the old curve, the bottom line is the banks on their net interest income, it's getting better. It's not getting worse. So let's be clear about that. Maybe you want to see more with the Fed hiking. Um, but, you know, we heard about this from AKS just after the bell before we got on the air. We've heard this with a number of companies that are caught in the middle of the trade war. Look at Whirlpool. I mean, Whirlpool, if they are not the poster child for everything that's happening in a trade war to a company that otherwise should be kicking it in an environment where the consumer is stronger and should be buying air conditioners and refrigerators. So um, there are big problems. And what Jamie talked about was, I think, just the facts related to, hey, look, there have been follow-on tariffs. There yeah. has been tit-for-tat. People said this wouldn't happen. It's absolutely But I think there is, I think, BK, there is a big canard in the market, which is, is that simplistic thinking, oh, rates are going up. 
net interest margins going yeah. up, the banks are about, you know what else is probably going to go up? Their costs. They can't find workers. they got to pay the workers more. There's a lot of things out there. You can't just say, can you? Well, Rates are going up so by the banks. The banks are firing well, people. Well, actually, you know what? So, one, I'll have to, in the commercial, look up what canard means on Google <laughs> to answer your question. But Lie. before Fallacy. that, so we talked a little bit, I talked a little bit about, you know, high yield duck spreads and that type of thing. That's duck. what I thought it was. So, <laughs> I was calling them a duck. Yeah. But is point, point is, again? when we talk about the fangs falling apart and you look at what's going on in the economy, it, again, the banks look good. We're not necessarily looking at default risk, and we're not looking at, you know, are, is any people going to be able to pay their loans? And, again, it's the short end of the curve where they're able to mm. raise, raise rates and make money. So I think if you're taking money out of banks and there's a place to go, you want to look at the financials. Do you think, Guy, we could see a, trans, a transition from Facebook to bank books? That's what you're saying. That's what you're seeing now, bank book notwithstanding. Terry Kennard, by the way, played safety for the Giants. I digress. <laughs> but at a certain point, valuation, I think, in J.P. Morgan will matter. You know, it's $55 tangible book, so it's trading more than two more, times. more than that. 56. No, more I think it's like 68. I just looked at the last quarter. I tangible think it's book, 60, 55. We'll, we'll discuss it during the break. But book value, anyway. 68. And my point is, at a certain point, J.P. Morgan is far more expensive than the rest of these banks. The other banks catch too expensive up, or, or just Morgan more expensive? Come guy. back to earth. Too expensive or just more expensive? More well, expensive. I'll, I'll right tell you now. this about the banks. Look, it, it, you know, guy may be right. Um, I actually think it's still got room to go. But if you look at the banks, if you look at J.P. Morgan, it's rallied 14 percent off those earnings. It's basically what happened in the first quarter. We had banks that no one was terribly impressed until a couple days afterwards. We saw some rotation. Banks had a big rally, ran into a wall. You're right at that level at 118, 120 in J.P. Morgan, where people have faded for the last six months. All right, guys, good discussion there on a big interview. All right, up next, more on the story that is rocking the media world. Will longtime CBS CEO Les Moonves lose his job over misconduct allegations? The board just meeting in Midtown Manhattan. We are going to have the very latest. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. Shall we play a game? Yes, because video games are exploding in popularity. And part-time gamer Tim Seymour sat down with the CEO of one of the biggest. He'll tell you what he said and why it had Tim bullish on the space. Plus, it's the question every Bitcoin hodler is asking. How much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? No. When will the SEC finally approve Bitcoin ETFs? The founder of one such ETF will be here to explain when Fast Money returns. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. We've got some breaking news out of Washington, D.C. on trade. Let's go right now to Kayla Tausche at the White House. Kayla. 
Hey, Brian, we want to bring you an update on where things stand with regard to NAFTA talks. We've learned from three sources familiar with the matter that the U.S. and Mexico are set to resume talks here in Washington on Thursday. A Canadian official confirms that Foreign Minister of Canada, Christia Freeland, will not participate in these meetings, that she will remain in Singapore, where she is for this week, for meetings uh, with members of ASEAN countries. Interestingly, uh, these talks have been going on for weeks now, just between the U.S. and Mexico. You've heard the president and many administration officials, Larry Kudlow, just this weekend, talking very bullishly about the potential for a bilateral deal with Mexico. I spoke to an outside advisor to the White House, and this person said, I don't see Canada coming to the table until there's a deal with Mexico. This advisor uh, estimated that that deal with Mexico could come together in the next two to three weeks. So we will see whether that happens. We did reach out to the U.S. Trade Representative for comment on timing of NAFTA talks. They declined to comment. Brian, back to you. Kayla Tauscher, that news out of Washington, D.C. Tim Seymour, a good sign? Well, I think it's, yes. I mean, They're if talking. you want to if you want to talk about this is how we're going to, you know, negotiate, play the game. We're going to come back off of a very extreme ledge. How, you know, how aggressive were we with our neighbors? I don't know. Again, I think most people, or at least I do, I feel the China trade discussions are very different than what should be happening with our NAFTA partners. Yeah, but but pushing the moving the ball forward even a half a yard or three feet or anything is really a, a big step, I think, at least for the market, because the perception is we've got this prolonged trade war, tit for tat, skirmish, whatever you want to call it. The longer it goes on, the worse it is for both the market and our economy. So anytime you can move forward, it's good. Kansas yep. City Southern quickly. I mean, if you want a stock to look at mm, in terms yep. of what's going on, that stock's going from 102 to 116 basically in a week and a half. Part of that is earnings, I believe, but part of it is these ongoing conversations over the last couple of weeks. Now, if that stock fades tomorrow, then maybe you say to yourself, this has been a buy the rumor, sell the news. But if you see acceleration, here's a stock that sort of set up to test the levels we saw. Because in it's by far the biggest cross-border rail company. With the Mexico. Okay, switching gears. The next catalyst in the crypto world is not only a big stamp of approval, but it may also be perhaps the way to light a fire under wannabe crypto investors as well. And that is what else? A Bitcoin-based ETF. Will it happen? Bob Pisani joining us out live from the NYSE with some new developments on this. Bob. Hello, Brian. Good to see you. The Winklevoss Bitcoin ETF appears to be dead, at least for now, but there are others ETFs that are still waiting out there. Just last week, Bitwise Asset Management filed a registration statement for a publicly offered cryptocurrency index ETF that will not just track Bitcoin, it'll track an index of the 10 largest cryptocurrencies. This marks the first time ever an application for a crypto index ETF was put in. Earlier last week, the SEC postponed making a decision on five other Bitcoin ETFs. These were all by Direxion, which would make various bullish and bearish bets on Bitcoin. Those ETFs were filed way back in January. Now, there's a pattern emerging here that's very obvious. The SEC delays a decision as long as possible and then turns them down, to be blunt about it. They normally have 180 days after filing to make a decision, but they can take up to 60 days more. And that's what they did with Direxion. And now they're expected to make a decision on these by September. Remember last month, too, the CBOE submitted a joint Bitcoin ETF proposal by VanEck and SolidX for a Bitcoin ETF, but with some very unusual characteristics, including a $200,000 price tag to indicate it was for institutional investors and an insurance component to protect investors against theft. The problem is it's not clear if this unusual application will still satisfy the SEC. Remember, they rejected 
the Winklevoss application on the grounds that most of the trading occurs outside the country on unregulated exchanges that are subject to fraud and manipulation. This is a simple issue now. How can another Bitcoin ETF applicant come in and say they won't have a similar problem? This is a very, very high barrier to entry the SEC has erected. Well, Bitcoin rebounded on Friday, by the way. It's still trading below where it was prior to the SEC's announcement on Thursday. Brian, back to you. Bob Pisani, good to see you as well. BK, what do you think? Well, I think Bob's spot on. I mean, the, the issue that the SEC has right now is we don't have a regulated U.S. exchange. And I think we have that, then the odds of an ETF getting approved are better for 2019. I think given the current state of the market, the uh, odds of approving uh, something in, in 2018, very low. All right. For more on this, let's bring in the co-founder and CEO of Bitwise Asset Management, Hunter Horsley. He just filed for an SEC-regulated crypto ETF that looks to change the SEC's mind by being more diversified. Hunter, welcome. Okay, so listen, you're looking to do where no man has gone before. I mean, why do you think that your model, your ETF, should get SEC approval? Sell it right now. Yeah. So last week, we made the first S1 filing for uh, the first ever index uh, basket ETF. We actually introduced a a private index fund last year that we've been operating um, since then. And in our experience operating the vehicle, dealing with the questions around custody, dealing with all the trading partners, striking the NAV daily, uh, audits, tax, hard forks, airdrops, all of those complexities, uh, we feel that it is possible to effectively operate uh, an index vehicle. We like the index strategy. Our clients like the index strategy because many of them have an investment view that's not specific to one coin. They think that something promising could come out of public blockchains. A a, a cryptocurrency may emerge and be something really valuable. Um, And an index is a way of of capturing that. I think a lot of the the focal point around public registered products, ETFs, has been on on Bitcoin because there's a a narrative that Bitcoin is the digital gold. And we saw the gold ETF come come to market first in in, in, Bitcoin. in 2004, and then, then Commodity Index came in 2006. You feel like the SEC understands the crypto industry? Yes, yeah. So I, I, think, I think for many of the people in the space, I'm sure that BK feels this way. The SEC over the last two years has demonstrated, I think, a, a great understanding of the space, a, a strong open-mindedness, uh, and BK, BK can, of course, speak for himself, uh, a strong open-mindedness uh, about the space. Uh, but I think they're being cautious, and, and that's their job, and that's what we would hope they would do. And um, even just this year in the ICO markets, they've been doing enforcement, um, trying to clean up the space. And so I don't think that they'll be in a rush to approve an ETF. We're excited to talk to them about our experience running a vehicle. Um, but uh, this, is, this is what you would expect, expect from them. So I'm curious about your vehicle, how it might be different. I mean, I understand yeah. the index approach, but in terms yeah, of the SEC's yeah. uh, view, you have an, an index, but in there yeah. you also have some privacy coins, which other countries like Japan yeah. have said, you know what, we don't want our exchanges trading this. Yeah. How is that mix going to be, yeah. be uh, received by the SEC? Yeah, so that, 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 that's a great question, and, and we look forward to, to chatting with them about that. I think from our perspective, uh, the things that Dahlia mentioned in, in her January letter uh, the, the issues around an ETF, custody, liquidity, market manipulation, they're similar for most of the large cap assets. So once you get comfortable with, with what it takes to do that effectively in crypto, um, our feeling is that you can do that for many different coins. Uh, but again, that there, there's, there's merit to an index approach. I think there's a lot of discussion around privacy coins, as you mentioned. Yeah. So, but how do you come up with those weightings? Leaving, yeah. Brian's talking about what, what instruments might be actually more tolerable or less yeah. tolerable to the regulators. But how do you come up with those weightings? Yeah. I mean, you know, why do you have Bitcoin cash at 1% where other people yeah. might have it at 10 that's, that's a great question. So, so, so uh, the index uh, follows a, a methodology. Uh, it's, a, it's a five-year diluted market cap. So the five-year adjustment is to deal with a crypto-specific feature, which is that unlike equities, there's a continuously changing supply. 
The amount of Bitcoin will be different tomorrow than it is today. But it's fundamentally a market cap weighting. And we don't cap the top asset. And I think that's something that's important for the space. The index's goal is to capture the most valuable assets that emerge. A lot of people think of it as an S&P 500 for crypto. And if that's two assets that end up dominating in the future. Which to you it is. Because if I read your, it, your, yeah. your documents correctly, about 50, 50 to 55% is Bitcoin, yeah. Ether. So those yeah. two are about 75%. That's right. And, and but is that diversified enough, do you think, to ease some of the SEC's concern? Yeah. It's very, to your point, you're basically yeah. a two- crypto ETF with a couple others thrown well, in. Well, you, you know, the, the top five names in, in the S&P 500 have as much market cap as the bottom 280 names. So I think this is a, this is a natural characteristic, and, and we see it in crypto as well. Um, for, for many years, Bitcoin was the only, uh, the only asset that, that really had meaningful market cap. It was 85% of the market for eight years until 2017. And then in 2017, we saw a number of other assets appreciate meaningfully. And today, it's around 45% of the market by market cap. The goal of the index is to capture however this plays out for investors. So if it ends up being the case that it's, it's Bitcoin and Ethereum, if it ends up being the case that there's a lot of different cryptocurrencies, of course, Bitcoin and Ethereum have competitors. There are also people who are using public blockchains to serve different applications besides just digital gold or besides just smart contracts. Um, and so however that plays out, the index captures that. And I think that's why a lot of people like that approach to the space. It's why we like that approach. Unless you have a very specific research view, if you're making a 1% allocation, you're probably not going to keep up with the, the daily changes and, uh, and how that unfolds. And so making a super concentrated investment may not make uh, a strong case. Sense. Hunter Horsley, thank you very much. Hunter, yeah. Good luck. Thank keep you. informed of how things are going. Absolutely. Should we do like a power pitch style, guys, here? Did he sell this <laughs> ETF guy, Dami, to wow. you? Wow. I think, first of all, the name itself, he had me at Hunter Horsley. I mean, it's like the names in the space. Sounds like a Del Barton brand. <laughs> he does. Yes, I think, listen, he had all the answers for all the questions. And if BK is on board, I'm on board. Well, I think there's, there's certainly merit to having a diversified portfolio. I mean, this is not just about Bitcoin. So the idea of having a basket of currencies, to me, makes a lot of sense. Okay, there you go. Good luck, Hunter. Thanks very See much. All right, great. Still ahead, CBS shares and investors getting hit again. Fears its embattled CEO will resign or be forced to step aside. But the board just did something that made buy CEO Les Moonves more time. We'll tell you what that is. And one of the biggest ETFs or ET sports tournaments of the year took place in New York City. Tim Seymour was there. Welcome to the jungle. We're going to hear about this and how big esports really is when fast money continues. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. We've got a market flash on Chipotle. That stock is going down after hours. Seema Modi has more in the details. Seema. Brian, Chipotle shutting down a restaurant in Powell, Ohio, after reports that customers got severely ill. Now, a spokesperson for Chipotle telling Business Insider, we take all claims of food safety very seriously, and we are currently looking into a few reports of illness at our Powell, Ohio restaurant. The restaurant is expected to reopen on Tuesday. CNBC has reached out to Chipotle for confirmation. The stock is down about 2.7% right now. Brian, okay. Seema, thank you very much for that. Guys, let's go around the horn and trade this. And, I mean, Chipotle, these are early reports. We got a lot more to learn. Chipotle can't get out of its own way, Tim Seymour. Well, you know what? I think Brian Nichols done a nice job of trying to get in front of a lot of the stories at, at Chipotle. And I, and I think the story, though, um, at this point, after going up 95% off those lows to where we traded before we went into this earnings report, um, you know, I, I, I just think that the stock is not cheap. I, I look around the sector and I realize everyone's trying to figure out the multiple. Um, I, I think it's a brand that's made a, a tremendous recovery. 
But without no, this news, this stock was expensive. Agree. Without well, it's a little less expensive right now with this news, but I think it, it would be even more expensive tomorrow with this news. Yeah, and it's a stock that's highly sensitive to this type of thing. If this happened to maybe a jack in a box or something like that, it may not be anything that would necessarily. Why? Because of valuation? Because it's more no, of a growth and momentum had issues name. Before. Yeah. They've had issues. Now, did you yes, you should know this if you've eaten there. You should know that they today. Had as a matter of oh, you did. I'm sorry I ate to hear that. Today. That's going to be you'll have another host then tomorrow. I shouldn't say that. Wasn't funny. I retract that. Listen, Tim makes a point. It was a $250 stock in February. It went to By force. the way, it was packed. The Chipotle ate in today. And, and last quarter, the Edgewater, yeah, exactly that. The quarter was fantastic. It's just, can you get your arms around valuation? And obviously, this headline yep. risk doesn't help. Okay, guys, switching gears. We'll get more on the Chipotle story as it develops. CBS shares plunging another 5% today. They did rebound a little bit after the board revealed its decision to seek outside counsel to conduct an independent investigation into CEO Les Moonves' conduct. And apparently keep Moonvis on the job for now. Leslie Picker back at CNBC HQ with more on this story. Leslie. Hey, Brian, no real decisions were made, or if they were made, they weren't really announced at today's board meeting. The CBS board putting out a statement just about 90 minutes ago saying that it's selecting outside counsel to conduct an independent investigation. The statement goes on to say no other action was taken on this matter at today's board meeting without specifying exactly what this matter entails. The board also decided to postpone CBS's annual shareholder meeting that was previously set for August 10th. So essentially, we don't really know anything now that we didn't already know on Friday, except that the board is essentially punting here. Today's meeting comes, of course, amid allegations of misconduct against Chairman and CEO Leslie Moonves. And these allegations come amid a dispute between Moonves and Sherry Redstone. Her national amusements controls CBS and Viacom and has been seeking to force a merger between the two. Moonves opposes the deal and the two sides have found themselves in multiple layers of litigation over voting control. CBS shares, as you mentioned, falling more than 5% today after Friday's decline by about the same amount, Brian. Leslie Pickard, CNBC on the story. Leslie, thank you very much. Reminder, obviously, the earnings are on Thursday. Moonves usually leads the conference call is he going to be skipping the conference call on Thursday? We still don't. There's so many questions, Guy Dami, that we still do not have answers to. I read that entire article. It was a lengthy article. Um, I'm, su I'm surprised. I think that the board is allowing him to stay with it. I'm surprised. And I, I think this move to the downside is the market telling you that they're disappointed. If you back all that out, I think valuation, though, and going off of last quarter and everything they said about their growth, CBS is a cheap company. With that said, I'm not sure. I don't know how but to separate But we don't actually even know now. what they're investigating. According to the article, and, and then the follow-up from Moonvis himself, he has effectively confirmed much of the fact patterns right. that were mentioned. Although yeah. he disputed the intent, he disputed sort of whether or not it was going to hinder somebody else's career. Right. But it wasn't as if he denied everything that was in the article. So you wonder, what is the investigation primarily focused on? And as an investor, from an investor's what's, point of view, salacious culture at the side... Yeah. Can you own a stock where you don't know what an outcome like this is going to be? I think be? you can jump to the outcome. I cannot imagine a scenario where the board comes out that says we support him, we're keeping him there. I just can't imagine it. You think he's gone? In this environment. Gone and should be gone. I, I, I don't know should be. I just say I can't imagine the board defending that. It just seems impossible to me. So let's, if I were looking at it, I don't own it, but to me the calculus would be he's out. Assume he's out. I think the stock's actually interesting. He's fantastic. He's a great CEO. However, the, I think there's other talent there. 
And it's an interesting property, and content times. is very hot. I think it's interesting. You think it is inexpensive, Tim? No, I think it's very inexpensive relative to its peers. All right, still ahead. If you think video game sports leagues are still some kind of oddball, small-time thing, think again. After the break, we're going to take you inside the league with some of the biggest names and show you, from Tim's perspective, how big the event really is. Also, Tesla sitting in a bear market. The company gearing up to report its earnings later on this week. Some say the stock could be setting up for a big rally. We'll tell you why. A lot more to do. You're watching Fast. We're back after this. Gaming stocks like EA. Take two, Activision Blizzard getting hammered in the past week, down about 10%. But just this past weekend, Tim Seymour, yes. Mr. Gamer, was That's at a me. huge event that could signal these companies are just getting started on their awesome. game on. And it's thanks to one rapidly growing industry, eSports, video game leagues. And Tim got a chance to talk to Activision CEO Bobby Kotick and some of the fans at the Overwatch League finals right here in New York. Let's take a look. Hey, it's Tim. I'm here at the Barclays Center for the Overwatch League Grand Finals 2018. It's insane in here, folks. Come on, check it out. This is like the Super Bowl of Overwatch. How does this compare to watching the Celtics against the Sixers? This is way better. This is electric. I'm feeling it. Holy cow. What are you wearing? I'm Diva. What would drive someone to dress up like this? Motivation and love for the character. We're in it. We are ready to go. We watch every game together. We're talking. We're listening. We're in it. Do you think you have the skills, what it takes? Maybe if I work harder and practice more. Well, I don't think any company has made the same commitment and resources and talent and people uh, and capital that we've made to ensure that this is something truly incredible. No question this is changing the landscape for media companies and how people are participating in sports. It was exciting to be here. I better be here next year. I feel like I want it all. <laughs> Take off the tie, Tim. Yeah, All right, I was so, the only guy in there in a tie. Well, I, but yeah, I, I, I was having more fun than anybody. Yeah, yeah. okay, there you go. So, will esports be the next big drivers for video game stocks, like the ones we mentioned? Well, well, well there's no question about it. It's it's going to be a major driver for look. Activision is is head and shoulders out there. Certainly, you can look at you know Fortnite. You can look at Microsoft's involvement. I also think that the media companies, Disney, obviously being involved, having this shown on ESPN and Disney over the weekend tells you how the media companies are embracing this as well. But again, the fan base is rabid. The excitement is there. And it's it's all demographics. Yeah, and also, clear. listen, also, just guys. It's not just girls. It's not young folks. It's old folks. Uh, I, and I'm telling you, people talk about NVIDIA and AMD, and you guys are talking about their, their exposure to the crypto world as well. I'm telling you, if you're a gamer on a PC, you need a really darn good graphics. Listen set. to you. Period. Listen to you. That's, That's what exactly I would know. Right. For more, let's bring in our next guest, who are two of the biggest names in esports right now. Alex Mendez, you know him as Golden Boy. He's a professional esports commentator who hosted the finals this weekend. We've also got Jack ATN. He is the co-founder and CEO of Cloud9, one of the most famous esports companies in the world. Also owns the London Spitfire, yes. which was the blue team you saw there who beat the Philadelphia, what's their name? The Fusion. U the Fusion, the orange team there. So, Jack, congratulations. Thank you. What does it mean to win the finals, like remuneration-wise? I mean, do you get a chunk of cash? L do you have a way to value your team right now? Uh, well, from this, this event, we got $1 million. So you can start there. Okay. Um, 
<laughs> Not bad at all. As far as actually valuing the franchise. Like, what did it cost you to start the franchise roughly, and what do you think it's worth right now? A I, short I, time later. It's been reported uh, within like the, the $20 million range for the first teams. Uh, that's fairly accurate, but that's not what you would actually pay. To you think you could sell it for a lot more than that now? Though. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, there, there is still this. This reminds me a little bit of soccer about 10 okay. years ago. There were a lot of people in America who thought soccer was this niche sport. Who cares? Nobody yeah. cares. People weren't really all that. They're, they're proven smart. wrong. <laughs> this, yeah. this is not a niche sport. I watched this in a, in, a, in, a, in a restaurant bar on ESPN. Yeah. How much more growth? Is there, though? Well, in the in metaphor, it, the, how about global? Because, I mean, soccer is a global sport. I mean, this, this is the whole story here, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, when, when you really think about it, eSports, what, what makes it so special uh, is that it is, it is a global thing. You can compete anywhere, right? Uh, you know, there are teams in, you know, in Europe representing London. There are teams representing in, in Asia. You have the Seoul Dynasty. You also have the Shanghai Dragons. You know, you have teams all over uh, the world here, but also players all over the world. So it is a, a global thing. It is a... Uh, what, what makes it so fantastic is that, you know, for me, I was a, I was a football player, not very good, uh, you know, high school football player, got beat up a couple times in the Bronx and then realized, okay, I can't really do this anymore. But what I could do was play video games. And I played video games competitively for a very, very long time. And then I just decided, okay, I'm going to transition this into a career. But that's when everything was so small. Now, I mean, we're, we're selling out Barclays Center. Like, that, is, that is just mind-blowing. I never thought in my day I would, ever, I would ever see that. Do you think it's because that it isn't a, anybody can do it? To your point about you don't have to be 6'5", 320. Yeah. Anybody can play video games and be good at them potentially. I think it's about hard work, dedication, right? Those are the recipes for success in pretty much anything that you do in life. Uh, but I mean, most importantly, when it comes down to this, yes, you know, you can compete, uh, you know, pretty much anywhere. So long as you have equipment or you can go to a place that has the equipment, you can make it happen. So, so let's talk about the ecosystem and the stocks that are kind of in it here. How do we monetize this as investors, right? So we look at the video game makers. Do we look at the chip makers? Wh who's getting, who's making the money off of this? Um, there's several different ways you could actually make money on this, either owning the teams, owning the platforms, actually, that, you know, where you can yeah. watch the games, uh, supporting sites and tools to actually help people play better. So there's other tools out there that try to help my players actually understand the game better, track their play, and improve as yeah. players. So, like, honestly, like, if you look at all the different ways that companies are made yeah. to support traditional sports, those type of opportunities are available. I wish we had more time. We do not. Guys, we'll get you back on soon. Congratulations, Jack, to your team. Alex, we'll see you soon. Thank you Thank both you very much. All right, coming up, Tesla shares sinking today, sitting in a bear market now. One trader, though, betting on a big turnaround. We'll give you more on Tesla coming up. Tesla shares falling another 2% today. They are now officially in a bear market, down over 20% from their 52-week high. Earnings on Wednesday. Is there a turnaround in sight? Mike Coe is in San Francisco with more. Mike, what are you seeing in the options market? Hi there. So uh, the market is right now implying about a 9% move up or down after earnings. That's approximately in line with how much Tesla typically moves after earnings. But interestingly, the areas where we saw the most opening activity today were on the 30, 330 strike calls. I was looking at the August weeklies. Over 3,000 of those traded for about $1.56. So those are traders betting that Tesla could be as much as 10% higher by the end of the week. Of course, it takes two to make a market. Full disclosure, I've made bearish bets on Tesla myself. All right, Mike, thank you very much. For more options action, check out the full show Fridays at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time by now. But you guys know that. 
final trades around the horn here on Fast Money are next. Time to go around the horn. Final trades. Tim Seymour. AT&T and name I'm long getting some upgrades after decent numbers. AT&T. Karen. Yeah, I like the banks of like City. I also want to say Guy is correct on tangible book on J.P. Morgan midfield. And long Jamie Diamond. BK. <laughs> well, don't take your eye off the ball. What's going on? Big picture. You buy some GLD. GLD. Gold. Guy Dami. Serious logic into earnings on Wednesday with Apple reporting. A lot of things going on. Nice job. Tonight, nice job having you. Thank, Thank you very yourself. much. Good Tune good in job. to watch Worldwide Exchange. Starts at about three Rex. hours. I'll see you Rex there. <laughs> Mad Money with Jim Cramer begins right now. Picture this. It's Saturday morning and you're on your John Deere compact tractor. You're effortlessly breaking ground on your new landscaping project. Next, you're moving piles of rocks just by moving a lever. And now, you're enjoying the warmth of the sun as you clear brush across your pasture. We could keep trying to put you in the moment, but to really understand everything you can do with a John Deere compact tractor, you just have to get in the seat. Learn more at johndeere.com slash get in the seat or visit a dealer near you.